1: Oh, oh, oh. oh man, you know you know you are in for a crazy podcast when it's 110 in the morning and I'm starting this thing off with just random ass sound effects just a whoo oh, oh, oh. because that that is where that is where we are at right now um, an absolutely crazy night for the Wizards. I'm going to talk about all of it. John Wall has officially been traded to the Houston Rockets for Russell Westbrook, which I'm sure is just filling up Wizards fans with just the craziest emotions because as I've talked about on this Wizards on this podcast so many times, Wizards fans just love John Wall. And I get it. First overall pick, there for 10 years, the amount that he gave back to the community The amount that he reflected in so many ways what DC is about, I get it. I get it. I get what it's like to be a sports fan. I get what it's like to grow attached to athletes and Wizards fans for the most part, just in spite of the injuries, in spite of the contract, in spite of all that, like they look at John Wall and the way he represented the city and represented them and Wizards fans for the most part love John Wall. I get the mixed emotions. The the trade was John Wall and a 2023 protected first round pick. For Russell Westbrook, Russell Westbrook is now officially a Washington Wizard, and on the Skype line to woo-hoo-hoo about everything because this is this is crazy. I mean, we kind of knew it was coming, right? But it's it's or at least we knew the possibility of it. But it's it's still crazy when this kind of stuff happens. Uh, it's got to be probably the second most money ever total ever moved in a deal behind Russell Westbrook for Chris Paul. There's just. All star appearances swapping and everything, and I've got my own all star on the Skype line, Dave Defore. Where the hell are we starting off with?
2: Uh, first of all, that's a uh, just an an incredible monologue intro. I, I just got to say, <laughs> uh, need uh, need Schleck to add some uh, some. There was nothing there.
1: prepared. It's
2: it's that, pure yeah, hilariousness. That was all. I don't know. Did it was uh, one part Caesar Romero, one part. <laughs> Six cups of coffee. I mean, it was it was a lot. I, I mean, I loved every second of it. It was a roller coaster. Uh, much like my emotions on this trade, Fred, I, I got to say right off the top, I, I just want to get to this because I was trying to say it before we even started and, and you told me to shut up. Like you always do because I, I come in hot when you and I get talking late at night. I read your piece over at The Athletic. Fantastic. What to expect from Russell Westbrook for for Wizards fans a great primer um i actually put out a bunch of your John Wall stuff uh because I, it was really like uh at the forefront of my mind tonight when i was thinking about John Wall next to James Harden very similar to how i envision him being next to Beal you know this season so i put that stuff out and, and so to read your expectations of Westbrook in Washington it echoed the argument I was trying to make with our own Andrew Schlecht and Mo Keel on the Daily Ding before I read that piece. You and I are like-minded here. We think that this is a good thing for the Wizards, for Bradley Beal, for Russell Westbrook, for basketball. This is a good thing. Maybe.
1: You know what? I, I, I let you – We can talk. We're going to talk about it very in depth. And I know I let you say where we were going to go to. I mean, to give you guys an impression of where we're both at with the night. The news broke. Had an idea was coming. So kind of had my stuff formulated. organized what I'm writing. Put together what I'm writing. I ended up eating a pork chop for dinner at around 1245 in the morning. So that's where my night is at right now. I have, we are off the cuffing. This we are totally off the cuffing this podcast right now. So I I turned it over to you to say what what you want to well, lead with. we cut
2: off a phone call to do a yeah. podcast.
1: <laughs> yes, I I I've, I changed my mind. Here is what I want to lead with. Uh, we should talk about John Wall's legacy in DC. That's that's the most appropriate well, way to start off this podcast. Can we start, before we can talk we start about basketball fact- fits and, and everything else like that's the most at least for tonight for tonight and and, and and you know my my boss david aldridge wrote the kind of the wall angle and the wizards angle. I took on kind of the Westbrook coming in angle because I covered Russell for years in Oklahoma City. So I, I, I know the guy. Uh that was that was the more intuitive thing. But I do think the more appropriate way to start off the podcast is like kind of what I said at the start. Like let's talk about John Wall's legacy in DC because what a weird and we're gonna learn more as stuff comes out, but what a what a weird and and kind of sad way for what what ended up being injuries aside a a, a really great tenure in Washington um, for it to end.
2: In, in particular, because of how involved he is with the community there, and, and he was the face of the franchise since the day he was drafted. Mm-hmm. So. It is very much turning the page to to Bradley Beal, in a, in a sense, and I, I'm with you. It's kind of a bummer, John John Wall. Uh, that that one season at Kentucky was one of the most fun college seasons I remember from one guy. I just loved everything he did, and when he when he got to the Wizards, you know, it was kind of a shame that he wasn't able to have the success that we all kind of expected out of out of John Wall. Uh not that basketball is an individual sport, but you know, we all thought John Wall was going to be an all-time great. Injuries they they've derailed so many careers and it just it stinks. We focus a lot on the fact that he hasn't played for 2 years, but the two seasons leading up to those 2 years weren't exactly healthy. So we've missed out on a lot of a really talented athlete.
1: Yeah. And, you know, we'll see what ends up happening in Houston. Um, I mean, look, I think there are a few things that I had hunches about and that David had written about and that I had written about and some other people had talked about where the. John Wall-Bradley Beal relationship was not as harmonious as you would think it was based on their quotes. They had me fooled for a little while because I was writing the quotes and buying into it. As this stuff starts to come out, I get started to tell by a lot of people that "Mm, they're overselling how much they want to play together. I'll tell you what, the Wizards consider this Bradley Beal's team. That's why they did this. They consider this Bradley Beal's team and... I don't know how much it can be Bradley Beal's team when Russell Westbrook's on the team, but they at least, like, this is the angle that David wrote this morning. This was the Wizards choosing Beal over Wall. I should say this morning, tonight. Mm -hmm. This was the Wizards choosing Beal over Wall. I mean, that's ultimately what it was. Um, You know, they go to Beal for small personnel decisions, right? Because they want him to stay. They go to him for small personnel decisions. They go to him for just to get his takes on regular offseason stuff. You're trading Wall for Westbrook. He had some kind of sign off on this. If he says no if you do that I'm gone. This it's trade not is not happening. No. So, you know, this is this was kind of a sad way for those two guys to end too. I mean, maybe it Well, cuz we never got to
0: really there. see it.
2: No, that's we wh- didn't. that's why it's so sad we never got to really see it we never got peak. to see the fully evolved version yeah. of
1: Brad play with the fully evolved version of John. We yeah, never we'll got never got know that. if that was
2: going to work. Yeah,
1: and and you can hypothesize all you want, but but you're right. I mean, I I when it I could comes to just
2: pure talent, there haven't been a lot of backcourts that could match the talent of those two. No. And that's we never true. got to see it at its peak together that's that's, a, true. that's that's sad for the sport it's it's sad when
1: two guys who have really been together for a long time and I don't think they hate each other by any means I really don't think they hate each other I mean it's such a strong word people say so and so and so and so hate each other I that's not the case I really don't believe that to be the case at all but it's it's sad that they could never quite come together you know. Mm -hmm. They can never quite do it. I mean, look, let's let's talk about Russell Westbrook, too. I mean, Russell plays a very similar way to John. He's a superior player who's had a superior Mm -hmm. career. No question. He's a many, many times All-NBA player. He's a a Hall of Famer. He's a first ballot Hall of Famer. Mm -hmm. He is, you know, for all the crap that people that he gets for the triple-double stuff— and look, yeah, like he, he hunted rebounds. Like Steven Adams was the first player in Lord knows how many years to average five offensive rebounds a game and not average double digit rebound total rebounds per game because Russell had to come in and get defensive rebounds every game. I remember when the Wizards or the Wizards, the Thunder traded for Taj Gibson at the twenty seventeen trade deadline. Mm-hmm. And the first trade after the trade deadline, I forget who they were playing. Taj Gibson went up and he got a rebound and no one else was around him. No one air quotes except for his teammate, Russell Westbrook. And we all looked at each other on press row and we're like, oh, this guy must be new because Russell's got to get the rebounds. (laughs) He, He was on his way to his triple double that year and it had to happen. That's the crap that he gets for the triple doubles. Right. He said something once, which was very true. If everyone could go out there and get 15 rebounds just because they wanted to get 15 rebounds every night, they w- more people would go out there and get 15 rebounds every night. He's not wrong. He is not wrong. There have been a lot of people I've seen try to get triple doubles on individual nights
2: and mm-hmm. not be able to do it, let alone um, on average. I he's mean, a, uh, some some of the funniest moments in NBA history are guys trying to force triple doubles.
1: Oh, my God. Ricky Davis, Bob Sura. Exactly. I mean, just yeah. legendary mess ups trying to force triple doubles on individual nights. I mean, he's... He's an incredible, flawed talent. What I think is so fascinating about this from a, just a basketball perspective is like, it's almost like, it's kind of like that Spider-Man meme where they're pointing to each other and they're each Spider-Man, right? I don't even know where that's from, by the way. But it's it's kind of <laughs> like that. They have both have three years left. They both have 133 million left. And it's not even just that. Like I've kind of always thought, that John Wall was the closest thing to Russell Westbrook in the league. And when I say that, mm-hmm. I don't mean the closest thing in ability. Right. I mean the closest thing in terms of style.
2: Both yeah. of these guys. Style, athleticism. Yeah. Uh, force of will quite a bit. Uh, I mean, even some of the passing stuff
1: and And the fact similar. they're both high pick and roll reliant.
2: Yeah. And no, no, no. Very similar players. Yeah. Yeah. I mean. They're, jump, they're, the jump shot issues. Yeah, so let's take this back to Beal. What what do you
1: think of the... I mean, we've talked about just a pure basketball conversation. We've talked mm-hmm. about the Beal wall fit, right? I mean, what do you think of the Westbrook Beal fit? Because that's potentially a more extreme situation. I mean, of the here's the
2: thing one, about right? Westbrook. I, I think we saw one of the best versions of Westbrook for like six weeks this season when they went small in Houston and Westbrook just became a kind of an off-ball terror and he was playing almost like a center offensively. I thought that was the best rust that we've ever seen. They could do that in Washington. They've got the shooters. How much yeah. did they just pay Bertans? 80 mil. Yeah, they could They could do something like that. Would also. that not work? I mean, can, think about a lineup with Beal, Bertans, Thomas Bryant, Westbrook and insert other wing. That that's going to get you buckets. So if you need buckets, you can get them. Now, look, the defense in in Washington it's not going to be great. We know that. But they're going to be able to score with anybody. They're gonna and I score. think we got we got to see like I, I'm pitching self-aware Russ, and I know that this this is me being too much of an optimist. I think we saw a little bit of that in Houston. He has to understand who he is as a player. I think the Beal relationship toward Russ will likely be different than the Harden Russ and the Beal Wall relationship. Just they're they're just you know kind of different era. To a certain degree. Yeah. The age difference I think will help. Maybe. I mean, I, the I'm, I'm look, I'm very much just playing like armchair psychologist here. You are. And that's a- fine. And, but I, what I'm is trying to think of. What is a podcast if it's not armchair exactly, psychologist? Exactly. Right. But I'm trying to think of like, you know, what's the best case scenario? And the best case scenario is they get Russ understanding what worked so well for him in Houston. Fully buying into that and maybe even coming in himself and volunteering that as if everyone didn't watch it happen. You know, just saying, listen, I think that we could do this and I could fit in great like this. So I'll I'll tell you the best case scenario. Could, could Russ not operate it. in DHOs, which Bradley Beal loves? I mean, we've just never seen him do it. Right, But, but I, maybe he'll be open to it. And you never know unless Scotty Brooks tries to find out. I mean
1: the the two connections here. So Russ and Scotty Brooks are still crazy close, really great. great. Russ Russ loves Scott. You know, I've I've been told that Russell is very enthusiastic about coming to DC. Uh, I think playing for Scott Brooks probably plays a part of that. You know what the irony is here. When they when they hired Scott Brooks, the whole thing was that's the hire so they can sign Kevin Durant in 16, right? <laughs> oh man. And they end up getting Russell Westbrook because of it instead. <laughs> I mean, talk about talk about the other side of the coin, right? Uh there, there's so many things like that. But so so Scotty just he just loves. He loves Russell. And and Russell loves Scotty from everything I've ever heard. Those guys are close from the very beginning.
2: Scotty By the way, believed in him. one of the other, the things I loved about the piece you wrote was that you talked about the culture stuff with Russ and how much Tommy and the Wizards have really been seeking that. And they, they found a guy that's going to come in and want to set the culture.
1: Yeah. And we're going to have to find out if that culture ends up being good or bad. But I'll, t- I'll tell you what, because he's been in good cultures and he's mm-hmm. been in problematic cultures. Uh, but no matter what culture he's in. He sets it, and you know what? Scott Brooks is not the only connection too. How how was it? All right, uh, let me
2: ask you. I want well, to let me let me finish let
1: me finish this up. Okay. There's also yeah. there's also Robert Pack, system with the Wizards who was with him in Oklahoma go. City who is basically a you know a, Mo Cheeks is kind of known as the point guard whisperer for Russell in yeah. terms amongst assistant coaches. Russell just loves Mo Cheeks, and those guys are similar personalities too. And Cheeks is a Hall of Fame mm-hmm. Hall of Fame point guard, so it's like he could talk to him. But Robert Pack is another guy. Who has worked with Russell in the past, was with him in Oklahoma City. You know, you know what Scott Scotty first move was, like first significant move as a head coach was? What was that? Starting Russell Westbrook. Russell sat for the first 15 games of his career, played behind Earl Watson, and uh P.J. Carlissimo gets fired. The Thunder were just horrific. I forget their record. They started like 3 and 29 or something that year. I mean, it was horrendous. Scotty takes over about 15, 17 games into the year, something like that. First move, Earl Watson goes down, Russell Westbrook starts at the point. That sounds like a very not bold decision. At the time, the general mm-hmm. narrative on Russell was this guy's not a point guard. Right. There's no way this guy's a point guard. Scott was just, he was, he dug into him being a point guard. And well,
2: I, to this day, I will say the consensus was right. The
1: consensus was right. I mean, especially as the definition of what a point guard is yeah. has. Uh, but he's uh, an
2: incredible player. <laughs> he's just not a point guard.
1: Yeah, the 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 consensus, you know, on what a point guard is, has changed
2: too. Um, Absolutely.
1: You know, I mean, I'm I'm. Anyway, getting mm-hmm. back to it, Sorry. here's what I think the more yeah. best case scenario is. I we're both just speaking in circles. And, oh,
2: and I'm <laughs> saying, I mean, the absolute best <laughs> case is, of course, they win a title, but. That's not going to happen. No, no. I'm I think that about they're the in the playoff case hunt, case. though.
1: Yeah, me too. We'll get to that in a second. Let, let, let me mention this first. So, the <laughs> <laughs> we're like, we're both just going on tangents the whole time. Yeah, it's great. <laughs> it's perfect. Months. This is, yeah. So So, anyway, here's what I think. The best case scenario to me is not Russell plays like he did during that month and a half stretch in Houston. Where you're right. Part of the reason they did that, he did that, was because they traded Capella and he was playing with four shooters mm-hmm. around him. And you can play lineups like that
2: for sure. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. In, that shouldn't be like your go-to.
1: Yeah, in part, by the way, because Thomas Bryant is, is really an incredibly good three-point shooter for a center. Mm-hmm. I oh, think he Absolutely. Had, I think he and Russell are a very good offensive match. Oh, they're going to
2: complement each other uh, very well. Very good. Um, but
1: to me, the best case scenario is the first 55 games of the 2018 Thunder season. Because I think if there is one, and I'm only talking offensively, not defensively, if there's one offensive comp to Bradley Beal amongst big wings, he's kind of like the shooting guard version, stylistically, of Paul George. And if you look at that second Paul George year in Oklahoma City, 17-18, they got up to a great start. I think they were 20... They were 37 and 19, or something like that, 38 and 19, something. You know, they're on a pace to win 55 games, and they were off to this great start and get a top three seed before they plummeted. And obviously, those teams never won a playoff series. But that offense was humming. The defense looked amazing. Um, but specifically with Russell and Paul, I thought those 55 or so games, they really found their chemistry. He really, Paul George finished third in MVP that year. Yeah. And part of the reason was because Russ was actually pretty deferential to him. He, and and not only deferential, but the way that Paul weaved in and out of off-ball screens, ran off pin downs, very similar to the stuff Bradley Beal is quite excellent
2: and, at. And and Russ actually aided that with his gravity, which you know we don't give him a lot of credit because he's not a shooter. But the threat of him as a slasher or a catch and go guy, it, it exists. Yeah. Yeah, I mean
1: again if he's willing to do it in in the proper way. It exists, but right. to me that's the more realistic best case scenario. I, I don't I just don't know if you're going to see cuz I think part of the reason that Russell played like that is not just all the spacing in Houston. He played next to James Harden, who's right. his contemporary and who is an MVP himself. Like he is one of the few people in the league who can claim a team as much as Russell can who's playing next to Russell. Right. And we'll see how it goes. From what I've heard, Brad and Russ have a good relationship, you know, but but that doesn't always carry over. You know, Brad is not Russ, well, you know, Russ, Russ Russ looked and, up to Melo,
2: you know. Russ and Harden had a good relationship.
1: Yes, for sure. Uh and Brad is Hopefully five still years, do,
2: by the way, cuz Yeah. You know, it's just basketball. Yeah, we'll see.
1: Brad is 5 years Russ's junior. And
2: is but in a I think that important his career? I think that could be a positive. But it's up to Russ to make it a positive. Expand for me. I, because it's it's tough. I mean, just think about it. Uh, I, uh, like I said, it's there's six years difference. That's, that's like a class, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Bradley Beal is the next guard. He's about to hit his prime, really, which is funny to say for a guy as good as he already is. But he's about to hit his prime. Russ is on his way out. I mean, it's tough just as a human being. To, to to leave your prime you're not there yet but trust me I mean it's rough leaving your prime it's hard to let stuff go and so if Russ is willing to understand who he is as a player and let some of that stuff go and accept you know hey this is the future well, how do I m- make myself a better player by improving the future meaning Bradley Beal and I think that, again, it, it's, it's hard to do. But it's human nature to, to not want to do that. Uh, like, we sh- shouldn't be surprised. Like, when Carmelo's in Oklahoma City and is asked if he's going to come off the bench, nobody should be surprised that he says, oh, that's a funny idea. Why would he come off the bench? He, he's been the best player on every single team he's been on until he got there. Like, why would he ever think he was coming off the bench? So, again, it, it, like, it's just, I mean, it's tough. I, I'd love to hear what a sports psychologist had to say about that in, in more detail. But if Russ is willing to do that kind of thing, there's no reason why this wouldn't work. This is going to be
1: fascinating, man. Because yeah, this, this, I this think is so. This has obviously been in the works for a while. Clearly, I mean, Shams reported that, Houston and, and the Wizards discussed this, uh, you know, a couple of weeks ago. More, like 16 days ago was when he first reported it, I think. And and I think they ended up agreeing to something earlier today. And, and I, I do think, I mean, it was Woj who, who reported that the talks kind of went dormant for a little while. And, and eventually they ended up kind of picking up and they, they quickly agreed to a deal at some point earlier today. I mean... I wonder I I wonder and 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 they'll never answer this publicly but I wonder how much of this trade is we want Russ and how much of this trade was you know what it was time because my yeah. my very heavy hunch and if you listen to this podcast and or you read my stuff you know I don't write and say very heavy hunches very often I'm I'm very um very particular with what I like to put out there and what I don't as a journalist, my very heavy hunch is this was a, it was time deal. deal. Not to say that they're like furious about getting Russ or anything, but I just think that was more the leading motivation of all of this. That is the sense that I've gotten all the way through that. Like there was the, there was an expiration on this relationship and whether it's, you know, the stuff that's been reported about you know, the the gang signs and, um, you know, the the Wall-Beal relationship, which was imperfect, and quite honestly, the basketball stuff too. I mean, look, John had a great initial six years. The injury started to, you know, chip away at him. He hasn't played basketball in two years. I mean, I've written multiple times. If, if LeBron James or if Larry Bird or if Michael Jordan – Maybe not Michael Jordan. Maybe he's the only one because he did retire and then come back. But if any of those yeah. other guys, like if they were had three years of a max deal left and they had not played because of the most serious injury in the game for two years, teams would pick up trade calls on them. That is that is how it works. That will happen with any player in the history of the game. So the the,
2: that's the question just how this I goes well. The question I asked. Who got the better player? Right? Like just think about this, just nuts and bolts. Who got the better player? Russell Westbrook is clearly the better player right now. Because we don't know what kind of player John Wall is, but we know what Russ is. I'll tell you so, this
1: much. He's he's certainly I think it depends. I I agree with you, but can mm-hmm. I give can I give the opposite? You want to couch it? No, I don't want to couch it. I agree with you. But okay. can I just give... I don't think the... John Wall is a mystery box right now. Yeah, I I agree with you. Um, I just don't think the opposite opinion is as crazy as some people make it out to be. Because I think when the known quantity is a 32-year-old whose success is not solely predicated on athleticism, but mostly predicated on athleticism, he is a little bit of, like he's just old, not a little bit, he's just old school. The ball dominant, high pick and roll ways are not the way you play if you're a low efficiency player anymore. You just, you can't play like that if you're a low efficiency player who doesn't shoot threes, who defenses don't guard on the three point line, like you just... Can't play that way. Who's not an elite defender? No matter how many all-defense votes that he gets, he's not an elite defender. Like you, you, you—that's an old-school player. You can't really play that way now. And if the known quantity is that guy on a supermax contract for three years for ages 32, 33, and 34, I could see somebody saying, "You know what? Screw it. I'm taking the mist." You know, famous scene from Family Guy. Where, the where they say, I'm taking box. the mystery box. He says, why would you take the mystery box over the boat? He says, the mystery box could be anything. It could be a boat. Like, <laughs> right. that's I guess that's kind of what I'm doing here. By, mm-hmm. by After saying John Wall and Russell Westbrook are so similar. But like, right. I kind of get like, it's not like but the known at quantity his peak, is prime, Russ. At his peak,
2: was he as good as Russ is now? No. I don't think so. Oh, as good so, as Russ is
1: now, yes. I don't know, peak, man. He
2: was as good as Russ
1: is now, yes.
2: Hey, listen, Russ was all NBA. <laughs> Sorry, I can't. I can't even say that without laughing. <laughs> but uh, Russ had an okay season. I don't know. Did John Wall ever have a season as good as Russ just had? I'm not sure. I actually disagree with you. Yeah. Okay. Like I think okay. John Wall was. That's really fair. Like, I'm. I'm really just trying to poke holes in your.
1: Yeah. Argument. No, I think John John had some excellent years. I mean he was No, John
2: John was really good. Seventeen, he was freaking All right. Oh my God. Let me put you on all-star. the spot. Yeah. Let me let me ask you a question. Russell Westbrook, Eastern Conference All Star. Probably. That's what I said. Dude's gonna put up numbers. He always puts uh, up although numbers. Beal is gonna put up numbers too. Yeah, they're both
1: gonna put up numbers.
2: And they may not win a lot of games. Well, you want to talk about that? I, I, mean, I think they're in that 7 to 10 range. I think they're in the play-in. Yeah. I I'm rooting for 7 versus 2 Brooklyn... Wizards series.
1: So so a podcast I was going to do with Jay King tomorrow, which I haven't told Jay yet, even though it's one forty in the morning. He That's right. With- I was
2: texting with Jay earlier about you. So, yeah.
1: <laughs> so- Sorry, Jay. I'm going to cancel on you because it's not quite as relevant. Uh, we were going to go through all the teams in the Eastern Conference who we think might be above the Wizards in our power rankings and uh, kind of talk about them in relation to the Wizards and see where they are in the East. But you want to do that exercise in brief right now? <laughs> sure. Why not? For yeah. Here. So let me – Let's see. Like I said, I have literally nothing, nothing prepared for this. So I'm going to call it the Eastern Conference standings. Yeah, I haven't thought about this at all. I'm going to call it the Eastern Conference standings. And uh, and we're just going to run through this thing. Yeah, let's do it. All right. I'm calling this up right now. This is great podcasting right now. Me just announcing that I'm. Well, what's
2: funny is it's just really going to be great editing.
1: (laughs) Yeah, giving homework to Andrew. Okay. Yeah. All right, so Milwaukee is ahead. Certainly. Toronto is ahead. Yes. Boston is ahead. Hmm. Miami is ahead. Yes. Philadelphia is ahead. Yes. Brooklyn is ahead.
2: Theoretically, yes.
1: Why theoretically?
2: Well, because, I mean, you know, I, I need to see what KD looks like. I just haven't seen him play basketball in a long time. I'm assuming, yes, Brooklyn's going to be way better. Because 70, or well, 50% of KD is probably better than most of the Eastern conference.
1: Yes. Those, those yeah. teams are not set in the order, by the way, of my prediction right. of where yeah, they yeah. finish in the East. That was last sure. year's standing. So those are six right. teams, Indiana better. I agree. People talk about the Pacers like they win 43 games every year, which they do, but they wanted a 51 win pace last year. Right. And Victor yeah. Oladipo did not look, it. he could be below average this year and be better than he was last year. Yep. Um, as long as they hold on to Oladipo, I feel like that's a 47-win team,
2: right? Could be could be even without him.
1: Yeah, and Philly um, for what you it's know, worth. We want
2: to see what the new coach yeah, is like.
1: For sure. I mean, Philly for what it's worth, by the way.
2: I know we, got we agree on that Way better.
1: Got better, but not only got better, and it's like every once in a while when I go through the East, people are like, hey, Philly's kind of a disaster. Like, yeah, Philly was the absolute worst case scenario last year, and they still wanted a 48-win pace. Uh-huh. Worst case scenario.
2: Well, and it was way. it was better, you know, like before Ben Simmons got hurt.
1: Mhm. They had injuries they had, they had chemistry issues, they had fit issues. I mean, they had everything. They were a disaster and they wanted a 48 win pace. So that team that teams went at 50. Well, not 50 because it's a 72 game season.
2: But actually, they still couldn't What if win they 50. did win 50?
1: Yeah. They could. I mean,
2: it's not I think they could be
1: the 3 seed. I wouldn't. I would not bet my life that they're not going fifty and twenty two this year.
2: Yeah.
1: Yeah. Uh, all right. So that's that's seven teams. Now we're talking about mm-hmm. vying for eight. Uh, and of course, this year is different. You got the plan tournament with seven, eight, nine, ten. So guessing who ultimately gets the seventh and eighth seed is kind of a ridiculous exercise. Right. So let's let's try to figure out just kind of where they end up I, in the regular season I, I, standings. I, th- I
2: think that they're like Orlando is in that 7 to 10 seed what like they're atlanta? like the 7 and i think atlanta would i would probably put them 8 and then charlotte chicago and washington would be like that'd be that some order the next 3
1: so you got charlotte chicago and washington vying for 10
2: 9 and 10 right no cuz you said orlando and charlotte. atlanta Oh, Orlando, so Atlanta. So that's 8-9, eight, nine. Eight, nine, Yeah. So I, that's kind of like my that seven through ten group. I think that those those five or six teams are going to be fighting for that. Um, Orlando, a- Washington, Charlotte, Chicago, uh, Atlanta. Which Atlanta could really just pop and and go way up. I just don't think they're going to have the defense.
1: And I'll tell you what, everyone has Charlotte in that list. Charlotte's not on my list.
2: Charlotte. You think they're going to be too bad?
1: Yes, Charlotte's. Possibly. Charlotte is in contention for having its three best guards all shoot worse than forty percent from two. Terry Rozier is like a forty-one percent career shooter from two. Uh, Devontae Graham shot under forty percent from two last year, mm-hmm. and Lamelo could totally shoot under forty percent. Devonte
2: Graham's worst player in the league last year at the rim.
1: Yeah, uh, you know everyone complaining that he should have been most improved player.
2: They Don't were gr- wrong. Yeah, I, I did he a, not. He had a nice month and a half.
1: shot 39% on twos. Yeah. I mean, the, I don't think that team. How, it is so us that we get into a Devontae Graham two-point percentage conversation <laughs> in the middle you know, of a listen, Russell Westbrook for John Waltry.
2: I The other day on my Q&A, man, I'm like bearing my soul on Wizards After Dark. The <laughs> other day in my Q&A, someone, I had two different people ask me Kyle Korver questions. Well, we think too much. About, like, the the 10th and 11th guy sometimes. And not that Devontae is a 10th or 11th guy. Devontae is is a fine player. We'll see what he's going to be. But, yes, of course you and I would talk about Devontae Graham. Because you and I, in particular, get caught up on the 9th, 10th, 11th guy too much. Um, I mean, it's a good thing. I think that's what people like. Only about us, though. They hate it about everyone
1: else. <laughs> I mean, I enjoy it. <laughs> <laughs> hey I just my story for this morning was about how hey you're 11 through 15 you're 12 through 15 is a lot more important this year when
2: yeah well now this year that's absolutely true yeah I absolutely mean that's, true. That's, that's well we're seeing reasons. it too by the way the the a lot of these older guys not getting contracts that's why because you need people that are going to be like healthy like the the glue guy bring, like bringing back Joe Noah to play you know, five minutes every three weeks. Mm-hmm. That it's just financially makes no sense right now. Yeah. And because also, you never know. You might lose seven guys. Right. Right. And and I wonder if this is not a sea change going forward and if we don't see more teams doing this and, and looking at the success of some of the teams that have brought guys up from the G League, signing guys from Europe, and them really hitting and turning into players like Brad Wanamaker, you know, maybe Anthony Gill. But but seeing the success of these guys where you take a little bit of a risk, you know, it's a, not a known quantity. I wonder if this might be the thing that pushes us forward. And, you know, maybe guy, you know, guys are going to have shorter careers potentially, but maybe it winds up being better for the sport. I don't know. This is the first time I've thought about this, actually.
1: Let's let's de galaxy brain for a second. I'm gonna ask you a question. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> all right, okay. we talked. We talked. All right, we talked. What the best case scenario is? You said basically that month and a half where Russ was efficient after they traded Glenn uh-huh. Capella this year. I said best case scenario was 17, 18, Paul George, Russell Westbrook dynamic transferred over to Bradley Beal. Um, let's talk about Beal in relation to all of this because we kind of hinted at stuff, but we didn't mm-hmm. really get in on it. Because if Beale likes having his team, I don't think a team that Russell Westbrook is on is ever not Russell Westbrook's team. Like, I just don't think that's the case. That's kind of why, why I wrote the story I did. The story that I, I wrote that you alluded to is just kind of running through all of these stories of Russ just being a maniac competitor. Like, I watched the last... I, I'm sure you watched the Last Dance, right?
2: Yeah, I did.
1: Yeah, so I, I'm watching the Last Dance, and you know, I'm still on a text thread with a ton of my buddies from OKC with Andrew Schlecht, who's now my mm-hmm. producer of this podcast, and listeners now know well, and Brett Dawson, who covered the Oklahoman there, and, and Bryce Young, and and John Hamm who who does radio there, and and um, we were talking each week. There were, like, many things that we texted to that text thread during the last dance of, like, things that Jordan did, things that he said, mannerisms, and we were, like, nothing to do with him as the basketball player, by the way. Michael Jordan could have been a, a bus driver, and there were just things that he did the person, and we were, like, oh, man. That like Russ, Russ has definitely done that. I've seen Russ say that. I've seen him do that thing, you know, like so many things. They're just the similarities were like jarring. And so I was just like, I got to write the stuff that I know, the anecdotes that I know. There was one story, which I'll tell, which I've just loved for like three years, which was when he was a freshman at UCLA, he was sitting up there in the bleachers in street clothes and he was wearing vans and he was in the student rec center and there was this student who wasn't on the ucla team and russ was not highly recruited i mean this is kind of why he has a chip on his shoulder he was not highly recruited and russ is sitting up there in the stands and there's this kid who's playing and he's playing really well and he's he's beating a lot of people and he's a really good like normal person player not a russell westbrook level really good player And the guy gets really cocky and recognizes Russ, recognizes Russ as the guy who's always at the end of of UCLA's bench. And he starts trash talking Russ. I forget what he said. I grabbed the quotes and everything and and put them in the story. But he's really trash talking Russ. And Russ just doesn't really say anything. And he gets up and he borrows a pair of somebody else's shoes, playing shoes, because he's in street clothes. And he kills this guy. And as he's walking, he plays him in one on one and he just crushes him. And as he's walking away, he finally says something. He's been quiet the whole time. He turns back and he just starts laughing at the guy. And that guy, this is just a random, irrelevant dude who trash talked him. And he is so competitive. He just needs to crush everything and anything involving on competition. His fingerprints are going to be on if Russ is on your team. He is going to have, in any direction you want to say, he's going to have a massive effect on that team. And and I would say probably the biggest. Now, maybe the media totally, maybe people like us totally, um, what's the word? Maybe we totally overblow. This is so-and-so's team. This is so-and-so's team. Maybe. Um, maybe we don't. But like, interesting dynamic. Something to talk about. Certainly something Russell will have to get used to with Brad. Certainly something I mean, Brad will have but to get used also, to with Russ.
2: You know, clearly personality clashes matter because it gets guys traded and it's not new, right? Like the idea that chemistry is only how you run a pick and roll with somebody and not how you live with this person for, you know, what is it? Six to eight months a year. Like that stuff matters. It, it doesn't always equate to on the court. It's about your life. Yeah, you know, John Wall and Bradley Beal haven't played together in two years, so it's hard to say you can blame on the court issues for whatever, you know, the fracture was. Yeah, I think that like people do, because look, talent can win out for sure in spite of bad chemistry. It has happened before, but overwhelmingly, good chemistry can make up for a a, a deficit in talent. The Spurs are a great example of that. The, you know, the 2014-2013 Spurs. I'll, I'll what tell they lack yeah, what they know. lacked in what they lacked in athleticism and high end talent, because at that point, you know, Tim Duncan was still very good, but he wasn't MVP Tim Duncan. And Kawhi Leonard wasn't Kawhi Leonard. But chemistry made up for those deficits and coaching. But if you have bad chemistry, it doesn't necessarily show up on the court. But it still affects players' day-to-day life. And so it can make it a miserable place. And so, you know, if you're the Wizards and you're you're trying to keep Bradley Beal because, let's face it, Bradley Beal is in that next group of guys who are going to be top 15 players in the league, you know, potentially. You know, you kind of go along with that.
1: I'm not sure if you can hear me chugging water in the background, but such is the point of the of the night yeah. that we're at right yeah. now. Um, something else, and and it, like we're really spitballing here because there have been multiple times tonight. I like right? it. I like it.
2: It's it's a very it's very optimistic. Well, no. By the way, I'm also good... optimistic potentially for for Houston. You know, we got to see because yeah, got to open that mystery box. Well, this is a great.
1: Um, this is a great exercise into how I think because there have been multiple instances in this podcast where I've said something and then immediately made an argument against it. <laughs> and I'm going to do that again right now. <laughs> I'm just going back and forth. I'm just this entire podcast. We can just call this yeah. thinking thinking out loud with, with John Wall. And uh, well, Martin.
2: we can't call it thinking basketball. That's, that's Ben Taylor. Yeah. Um,
1: here's how it works. Like personality wise. Brad is wildly competitive. Lord knows Russell is wildly competitive. Brad looks at Russ and says, oh man, I'm going to do things the way that that guy does them. And Russ looks at Brad and says, this guy's as competitive as me. And they're just in tandem. And that's how it works. Because competitive people can butt heads, but they can also recognize similar qualities. And that can be a wonderful trait as well. So, you know, yeah. I, I truly nobody knows. Like, we're just sitting here. Right. No one we're knows. We're all guessing. The
2: Wizards don't have inside I'll,
1: information on I'll this. I'll say the this. don't have inside information.
2: I don't know, but I hope. Because I love watching Russell Westbrook play basketball. Bradley Beal is a good basketball player. And the most fun outcome is for them to be in tandem and do what's best for everybody that's the most fun outcome so I, that's what i'm rooting for I, I don't have a rooting interest for real i just want more good basketball so i'm hopeful i, I really hope it works out I, it could be great what do we think of john and Houston? also well,
1: yeah john and Houston also. is, is Wait, a Adier mystery Adier box. also and then we'll
2: and then we'll talk well about no, the no no box all right all right also uh Russell Westbrook should wear number zero. I I don't really care about numbers. I think think players probably care about numbers too much, but there should be no controversy about Russell Westbrook wearing the number zero. You know what's funny?
1: I, I had, when the trade rumor came out, the first text that I received was from a friend who just texted me, would they let Russell wear number zero?
2: And is that Gilbert Arenas?
1: Yes, it is.
2: Yeah, yeah, um, <laughs> yeah. I, I think, I think for sure it's not an issue. And uh, Sean, I, Hyken, I think
1: it might be an issue.
2: Nah, I think Sean Heiken made made a great point when he said if Gilbert Arenas could wear number one in Orlando, Russell Westbrook can wear number zero in Washington.
1: Maybe, I don't know, man. Like, I, I don't, I don't know if it, I don't know if, and I, I, I don't know. I have not asked anybody. This This is just, I don't know. Maybe they were. I mean, here's the thing. I, I get the impression that, that Arenas is on pretty good terms with the organization now. Uh, And, and I, maybe I'm making this up, but isn't Arenas like a huge Russell Westbrook fan? Maybe, I don't know. I could maybe I'm completely Should I making Google that this? up. Maybe I, mean, I, I don't I don't know. I feel like I've heard him talk about how much he loves Russ. So maybe I'm I don't know. I'm totally irresponsibly. I said what I don't if, like what to if talk Russ about wears Jesus, zero really because
2: if of Gilbert Arenas. That would be amazing. <laughs> I don't
1: think that's the case. Uh but but I if I'm right on that, like I could see a, a scenario where arenas is fine with it too not that i know arenas well at all but i know sure. him at all um but i could i could see a scenario where that could happen like
2: he also I, might just not I, care Dude, this entire, entire not podcast, care. this entire podcast might not care this entire russ might not is, care
1: this entire podcast is me saying things and then saying the exact opposite thing as soon as i say it
2: well this is the couch cast we're couching everything <laughs>
1: we, are, we are throwing out things making them up and then going along okay john wall in Houston,
2: yeah. What do could, we, I mean? What do we think? Could be great. I, I I reread your pieces tonight, where you wrote about how he was adapting his game to be able to complement Brad and have Brad compliment him more. It, it, that could work with James Harden, although I'd say James Harden is probably passing the ball less than Bradley Beal, but it theoretically could work. I don't know. We, we don't know what the Rockets' offense is going to look like. They got a new coach who has three weeks to install a new offense. I'm so I think it's going to actually be a disaster. Look, if I'm being honest. Yeah, why would you not be honest? Uh, I think honest? it's going to yes. be a disaster. tell me. Well, tell because me I try, I'm trying to be uh, an optimist. And then no, once we see tell it me and it's what's bad, real. I can say, oh. Well, because, I mean, it just, <laughs> there's no, there's no, uh, we have no evidence that John Wall is going to, magically be able to shoot coming off screens or uh, catch and shoot or take advantage of catch and go opportunities because again he's coming off two years of not playing and had the achilles surgery and you know i I just like what's his athleticism going to be like he's he's not the same explosive force that russell westbrook is so you know what's that going to look like next to harden we can't just say because they kind of play like, oh, well, you can just play them exactly like you did Russ last year. They're they're different enough players that you can't do that. I, I just don't know what it looks like. Is it is it maybe Russ, KD, OKC, back and forth, take turns? I, I doubt it. James Harden's not going to want that. I mean, he's a much better player. So, I don't know. I mean, it, it's... Maybe this maybe this is all moot because maybe John Wall gets flipped somewhere else or James Harden's not there, but I think it's probably gonna be bad.
1: It could be. I think I think Harden wants John John there, I'll tell you that much. Hmm. I I don't know if he wants him there enough to stay. I think he wants him there. I've heard he wants him there. I've heard I mean the the, those two have a good relationship. They're close. I've heard that that Harden has expressed an interest in playing with John, which uh, has very much been validated over the last 24 hours, especially. Um, so I think I think to some degree Harden wants him there. But look, every, single, wanted person Westbrook that there. Is, every single person that Harden has handpicked is, that's the guy I want. Yeah. Leaves in in up in fire within two years. You know, Chris Paul too. Yep. So, he wanted Chris Paul. Chris Paul's out. He wanted Russ. After 1 year, they're both requesting trades. So, you know, that doesn't mean it's going to work, but it's better than if Harden is up in arms upset about it, you know? Um, so I think that's I think that's the truth. Um, but it's, you know, I agree with you. You can't just throw them into the offense and play in the same way as Russ, in part, by the way, because Houston's roster is very different. They signed DeMarcus Cousins, which, by the way, how weird is it that the other reunion is John Wall and DeMarcus Cousins? Oh, uh, honestly,
2: look, that one bummed me out.
1: Just the circumstances under which yeah. the reunion is occurring? Well, think, yeah.
2: of, think about these guys. I mean, both of these guys, I guess combined, <laughs> they haven't played – Boogie hasn't played in a year and a half and it's been 23 months for for John. Uh, that's a bummer. Yeah, I, like it, it just bums me out because I, I really did enjoy both of those guys in, in their in their peak. Um Yeah, and, I mean I'll tell you how, what. How much is Boogie even playing?
1: I don't know, but they also signed Christian Wood.
2: Right. So and he's he's going to be the starter.
1: Yeah, so this this roster is different. It's the team priorities are different. There's different. There's a different GM. There is a different coach. And I'll, I'll tell you what the the Clint Capella trade was framed, always as not always by a lot of people as up oh, Daryl Morey making moves to do without a center. Classic. This is always where he was evolving.
0: <laughs> I don't no. agree. Yeah.
1: I don't think that was the case. Russell Westbrook was their center. And I think they looked at the way Russell was playing and they said, you know what? This guy can only be successful if he has four guys who can shoot threes around him. We cannot stand to have someone who cannot shoot threes around him. And if you look at the numbers, it's kind of always been true that Russ with a non-shooter has been way worse in terms of team, team offense. The Thunder often had two non-shooters around him. They often had Stephen Adams out there. They had Andre Robertson out there. Uh, different. That was a different Russ. Also a little bit of a different era. And most importantly, regardless of how different Russ is and how different the era is, defenses did not guard him the way they do now. They still gave him the star treatment of the three-point line. Yeah, they weren't fighting over screens like crazy like they do with Harden and Steph Curry, but they were not lagging off of him the way that they do now in terms of the way, especially in the playoffs, the defense guard him. It was, it was a different scenario. That started to hit the real extremes in terms of not guarding him a couple of years ago in the playoffs and has steadily gotten more and more exaggerated uh, over the last few years. And Houston, I think, thought, we need someone who can shoot threes. I don't think it was a center thing. I think it was a floor spacing thing. If they had Thomas Bryant there, I mean, I'm not arguing Thomas Bryant's better playing Clint Capella, not at all. But I I don't know if they handle that situation differently because that's a dude who shoots threes well, whereas Clint Capella is a rim-diving center. It's a different scenario. So to me, that that was about spacing around Russ. Uh, This Houston roster is different. Management's different. You don't have Mike D'Antoni, who is like the greatest point guard coach ever. So it's a totally different situation for Wall than it was for Russ. I agree with you. It's not... It couldn't be less plug and play. I don't know how it's going to go because I don't know how John is. The Wizards have talked him up like crazy. But like I've said all along, like, we'll see. We'll see. Everybody says he looks unbelievable. He looks as good as ever. He looks great. But we'll see. We don't know till we see it for real.
2: Yeah. I don't know. I agree. Where I do agree. we go from here? Again, I it's do- the mystery box, man. Yeah.
1: What else? What else can we talk about here? There's I don't know.
2: Stuff. I mean, I think we're. What are we at? An hour? Oh yeah. Nobody's listening to this whole thing. <laughs> <laughs> no one. No, um,
1: no one ever listens to this. Like uh, when do people
2: Honestly. Stop? Honestly. <laughs> Russell Westbrook on the Wizards. Are they going to make the playoffs? Just answer. Top of your head.
1: I think they make the play-in.
2: I think they do too. I think
1: they make the plan.
2: So it's worth it.
1: Yeah. I think I think I have Atlanta eighth right now. Seventh or eighth. I could see Atlanta. Mm-hmm. I could see Atlanta being good. Especially my, because um
2: My everything goes absolutely perfectly for Atlanta is that they can score enough to be like the fifth seed, you know.
1: Yeah. I mean, the thing with Atlanta is kind of what we were getting at earlier, which is I I was kind of out on Atlanta because I kind of thought they were the definition of the too many guys team. But I just I'm kind of out on the concept of too many guys this year. Uh, Also, all of these things are said with the caveat of number one, the season doesn't go like college football, which there's no guarantee that it won't like it might go like college football. This is an indoor sport. And COVID is cases are still spiking like crazy. So It's said with that caveat, and it's also said with the caveat that there's actually a season to finish in in the most extreme scenario. So, you know, we're talking about an ideal world where everybody plays 72, which may not happen. But I I like Atlanta as one of the top eight. I think the Wizards could be next.
2: Maybe. Maybe it's plausible. They're more interesting today than they were yesterday.
1: Yeah, look, man, they were ninth going into the bubble last year.
2: Right? Defense can't – the defense can't get any worse, so. <laughs> hey, hey, what do we think of – I mean,
1: Wall and Westbrook are probably pretty comparable defensively. Westbrook has good uh, moments. He just gambles like crazy.
2: I mean, the high effort on defensive glass helps, right? Mm-hmm. That's an That's an upgrade. Um, although although he does
1: leave his man in anticipation of getting boards. All him. the time. All the time. The time. So yeah. they, that might even out or even be a net negative.
2: Maybe. Maybe. Um, he's not a good defender by any stretch. I mean, if John Wall is engaged, John Wall is great. But what is John Wall going to look like physically? There's just so many question marks about John Wall. Thing this was- trade could wind up looking awful if John Wall comes back and it is just John Wall that we all know and love. The thing with Russ—that's
1: uh, by, by the way—can I give myself props for something?
2: So sure. Was it the the thing that you wrote about this trade and how it could happen?
1: No, I, I don't think I necessarily deserve props for that
2: because that was I—I I knew stuff, so
1: that's why I wrote it. That okay, way. fair, fair. It's my job to know stuff. I'm I'm going to give my props. Myself props because I did a podcast last week where I role played trading John Wall. And I'm going to say you can still listen to that, even though a John Wall trade has been made. And I played Tommy Shepard if you haven't listened yeah. to that one.
2: And Andrew Schlecht should definitely put that up for a Webby. <laughs> it was a brilliant idea. It was really good. Thank you.
1: Uh, Andrew also did a tremendous job playing Greg Popovich and doing a, a pop impression. Um, and I was going to say, the reason I said, give myself props is because I'm going to plug that podcast because ultimately the trade that I came down to is the most realistic one in that podcast. And I, I kind of got farther along with Andrew when he was playing Greg Popovich. The reason why we chose pop as opposed to like, as opposed to like Brian Wright, by the way, uh, who's the Spurs GM is because Andrew, we thought it would be way better podcasting if Andrew did a pop impression. But- <laughs> Of course. Andrew and I kind of came closer on a Spurs-John Wall trade than I thought we would. And at the end of it, I was like, I don't want to make the Spurs trade because that's not going to happen. And, and I and I feel like if this happens, it's it's Houston and we should make it more realistic. So I, I agreed with Kelly Eco, who played Rafael Stone, the GM of the, of the Rockets for me. And the trade that we agreed to on that podcast- was unbelievably similar to the real one. So the real one is is uh, a 2023. It's Wall for Westbrook, and the Wizards are also giving Houston a 2023 first round pick, which is basically lottery protected for a few years, and and eventually rolls into two second rounders. And uh, the one that we agreed to was Wall for Westbrook, and the Wizards giving a 2021 first rounder, which is uh, top 20 protected, lottery protected for a couple of years, and then rolls into two second rounders so i uh i think if you want to get an idea of what those negotiations just how how this market could have gone and you kind of want to get a retrospective of it like i i think it uh i still think that can illuminate something e- even though obviously this happened before everything and obviously i'm not finding out what happened in these trade negotiations and reenacting sure. it but I, I feel like it was a pretty good projection of what that market could have been like, especially considering we landed on basically as close of a deal as we possibly could have. So if you're interested well, and in that it, stuff. And
2: it was just a fun podcast. Like it was a really fun podcast to listen too.
1: It was really fun to record. Mm-hmm. Everyone when we were done was like, that was fun, man.
2: Yeah. Should do more of those.
1: Yeah. So give that a listen. Um, should we, I guess we didn't talk about the pick at all.
2: Nah, who cares about the pick? It's, it's years down the road. Yeah. I Two mean, years, maybe, right?
1: Yeah, it's 23 years. I mean, it's 2023. Yeah.
2: So yeah. so some eighth grader.
1: <laughs> well, it's 2023, and then it's lottery, it's lottery protected in 23. So, yeah. So basically, the way I took away from it was, all right, if the Wizards make the playoffs in 2023, they'll give up the pick. Which, by, by the way, the full protections are 2023, it's lottery protected. 2024, it's top 12 protected. 2025, it's top 10 protected. 2026, it's top 8 protected. And if it doesn't convey by 2026, then it becomes two second rounders. So the Wizards are not going to give up a crazy high pick for this. If they give up the ninth pick, they can't give up more than the ninth pick in this. And if they do, that ninth pick is going to be in 2026, six years out. Um, It's... It's pretty reasonable protections. And if you give up that pick and say 2023, which is the year after Russell Westbrook's player option year, it it means that it probably means that the trade worked because that means you made the playoffs in 2023. You know, it, it means that like Russell Westbrook, probably if you make the playoffs in 2023 with Westbrook. You probably were pretty good the two years before, too. You were probably at least in playoff contention. You know, chances are Russ is not going to guide you to the playoffs in 23 and be significantly better than he is right. now, you know? So right. chances are it's only, you know, he's 32. Chances are he's going to, you know, each year is going to be a little bit worse than the previous. So I'm cool with that protection. Like, that that seems very yeah, logical it was good. and very reasonable. Mm-hmm. And, and quite honestly, very seems very fair for Houston. They might have a chance at a first, and it feels fair for the Wizards, where it's like if they're if they're really bad, they're not giving up any first rounders. Right. And if this tanks them, they will not give up a first rounder. They can't. And uh, you know, if if Russ keeps them good, then like it's probably worth giving up the 17th pick in twenty twenty three if Russ makes you good for three years. You know, so so I'm I think it's logical. And, and quite honestly, when I look at trades like this, I, I ask like, just is it, is it fair? Is there logic on both sides? Is it fair for both sides? And I, I think there's logic on both sides. I think it's fair for both sides. That's that's all I got. I think that's reflected in the a, pick as well.
2: Also, for the record, a funny trade. I laughed. It was funny.
1: I mean, it's it's. Couldn't
2: I couldn't believe it happened?
1: It's ridiculous.
2: Yeah, it's great. I love it for you especially. <laughs> It's going to be awesome.
1: Oh, Russ again. I got Russ again. Well, check out my story over at The Athletic DC. That went up probably around midnight. Uh, Just a ton. I just tried to pack it with as many really fun Russ anecdotes as I possibly could. So go check that out. Check out David Aldridge's column up on The Athletic DC. Check out Kelly Eco over at The Athletic Houston. Kelly does such a great job covering the Rockets for us. Uh, Dave, what do you got to plug before we wrap up? Well, we did
2: the Daily Ding. Uh, we had Andrew Schlecht and, and Mo DeKiel, uh plugged in on OKC and Houston and, and me trying to argue the bright side for the Wizards and, and for Houston. Uh, it was a lot of fun, uh, especially because we all were just caught off guard. You know, I had no idea that this was actually going to happen right now. Um, so that was a lot of fun. So go check that out.
1: Yes. Check out all the great work Dave does over on the 908 podcast that he guests on and hosts and all that. Uh, subscribe to Wizards After Dark if you're just listening to this random episode. You can subscribe anywhere you listen to podcasts. You can subscribe to The Athletic if you want to listen. If you want to read this stuff, I should have said this through the podcast. What am I thinking? If you want to read this stuff like that I'm plugging and you're not an Athletic subscriber and you, maybe you're a Russ fan or this is just a huge moment, you want to get in on this, you can get a discounted rate. Go to theathletic.com slash wizards after dark, and you can sign up for a discounted rate. and That's a full subscription to the athletic. It gets you everything you need. That's going to get you your MLB and your NBA, not just this Rust stuff and not just DC stuff, but everything that you want your NFL coverage, your WNBA coverage. Everything that you want is going to be over at the athletic. And all you got to do is go to theathletic.com slash wizards after dark, and you can sign up for a full subscription. With a discounted rate, you can go on iTunes, you can rate this show. Like I always say, it really, really helps a lot more than you might think if you go on and you give us five stars, or especially if you leave a review. I work very hard on this show, so it's nice to be able to get somewhat of a reward. I will definitely be back soon. The Wizards haven't even announced availabilities. I'm sure there will be people talking tomorrow, whether it's Tommy Shepard, Scott Brooks, Bradley Beal, I don't know, Russell Westbrook. like I, I don't know. This is going to go tomorrow. They haven't said a thing. It's two fifteen in the morning right now. I'm delirious. I'm sure everybody with the Washington Wizards is delirious too. Um, But I'll be back with the podcast at some point soon because there's so much more to talk about. And I feel like I got to have on like, like a DC, a DC person, a DC centric person. And we just gotta, we just gotta, we did a lot of rust talk and a lot of basketball talk, and that's great because that's how I process these things and that's how you process these things. But I, I need to do something for the the DC centric fan who just feels like you, you need a, a eulogy on the John Wall era. And, and, and I got to, I got to organize something like that. So I will, I will take Barack care of Obama.
2: That.
1: <laughs> hey, maybe I can get Biden on. He's, he's new in town, but, but yeah. he's, he's been here a lot.
2: His hometown team,
1: the wizards, right? Yeah. Maybe I'll just like, uh, maybe I'll get Wolf Blitzer and that'll be the move. Wizard celebrity fan, Wolf Blitzer. And that could be it. Anyway, I'll be back at some point soon. Look out for a pot. Whenever it is, I'll talk to you guys then.